Welcome back, everybody, to the Retro Bled. As we continue our Halloween extravaganza month, talking all oh, about yeah. the Friday the 13th 1980s movies. Up next, if you like that Tommy Jarvis character, who who somehow is not that insane, he's actually a pretty charming guy, and he looks totally different from the one from the movie we did last week, maybe he got plastic surgery. This 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 is good for you. If you like... The real Jason. Ain't no fake one here, brother. This is the real deal. Mm-hmm. All right. If you like the Jason getting stabbed with a piece of, of gate out of the cemetery and gets struck by lightning and then turns into a Frankenstein's monster, boy, this is the review for you because the retro blood is talking all about Friday the 13th, part six. Jason lives. Jay Austin, James Jason Prime. lives. Yeah. What's happening, Allison? What's up, man? He's back, brother. So he's back. He's back. He's back. The man behind the mask. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's back, brother. <laughs> oh, I saw you did there. I like it. <laughs> um. Yeah. I don't know, man. I'm real conflicted over this. Um. I did not like this movie. You didn't like it? No, not at all. Oh, I hated it. I hated it. Yeah. I, I hate. I didn't like any of any of it. So this is um, not my favorite one, but it does have some good parts to it. I thought. And I thought it was a little bit more like better paced. I was not paced, but paced better than uh, 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 part five. But yeah, well, it was a little. True. It was a little rough around certain yeah. edges. Of um, it. I just, I mean, I can, I'll tell you all the things I didn't like about it as we go. Because um, you know, I remember I talked a few weeks ago, maybe a couple months ago, about how like my New Year's resolution was to. Uh, to, to, to find something positive about every movie that we watched yeah, this but year. And I, I, I made it all the way to about Demons, uh, to uh, Zombie 3, I think. No, I thought I, we, did we, we was, <laughs> shit, we've done like 100 episodes, over 100 episodes now. So I thought yeah. you lost it during Microwave Massacre. Well, though, that was last year, though. Okay. So we're still, we're so still. So this was like, this is, this yeah, this is my January 1st, 2023 new year's resolution that i'm going to find something positive in all these music because i'm really kind of tired honestly of people shitting on everything like people just love to hate shit now they love to be outraged by shit and they love to like tell me why everything sucks and why i shouldn't like anything and like i think people should just chill the fuck out and watch some horror movies or whatever you like and just enjoy it and just you know don't don't try to tell me why everything fucking sucks well you know we have this movie some fucking good. sucks and i'll tell you why <laughs> You know, we've done some, uh, you know, yeah, we did Blood Hook. All right, the beginning of the year. That didn't break you? All right. Nope. 
I made it through Bloodhook. I found reasons they like Bloodhook. Yo, so wait. We did do microwave. I knew I was right. We did do microwave massacre this year. It was, just, but it was in this January. Year? Yeah. Oh wow. Okay. January. Um, 15th. I mean, I didn't hate microwave massacre. It had a lot of boobs in it, which that I mean, that's always. This movie had no boobs. What the fuck happened? That is true. It didn't. And who they, is this Tom Coughlin guy? Why? Why well, did they pick this guy to make this movie? Well, they picked him because he was in the budget, and <laughs> yes. we'll talk about what his uh, his style was. Or what he was trying to do yeah, with true. this this style of film, which you know I can give which him he some. At. Yeah, when we talk about who booked this shit, I I you know the the style of the film that he's going through, going going to did or what he did. Can't even talk now. The style of film that he did. Yes. Okay, <laughs> yeah. not going to do. He already fucking did this shit. The 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 style of film he did, I thought was uh, pretty creative uh, because you know. What else are you gonna do when you have a reanimated corpse like Jason? You know what I mean. So yeah. it's, it's just so um, much he can I mean, he work was, with. So yeah, he was basically trying to make a Frankenstein movie, and he did. Yeah, pretty much. So, but uh, there's a lot to talk about though, because you know, just like yes. all the music, all the uh, movies we've been doing for the uh, for the Jason series or the Friday the Thirteenth series, we're pretty yeah. much going down the '80s one by one. Yep. So we we're in '85 uh, uh, last week. Now we're in '86, brother. Mm-hmm. So pretty, pretty fun era. Um, you know, like we do on every retro blood, we talk about uh, pro wrestling and the metal music. The reason we do that is just you know create a, create a weekend for everybody. And boy, what a weekend this is! Because this is a pretty yeah. fun weekend when it comes to the pro wrestling, which I'll get to here in a second. But like I said, we create a weekend for everybody. The horror movies, the pro wrestling, and the metal music—they all kind of go together. You know, it's like a—it's like a hodge—it's like a—it's like a hodgepodge. You know what I mean? It's like a—it's like a pot roast. You know what I mean? You get a little bit of everything in that bitch. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. I don't think pot roast is what you mean, but I understand what you're saying. Well, pot roast has a couple of things. You got the pot roast is is like a big piece of meat with stuff on it, but you're talking about a stew. You got the piece of meat, brother. Okay, you got the piece of meat. (laughs) The horror movies, then you can add a little fucking potatoes and some other shit, and that's the fucking horror movie. All right, fine, fine. You know who's a big fan of uh, horror movie uh, pot pot roast? You know who's a big fan of uh, pot roast? Alice Cooper. Yes, and the the sheriff in this movie. He looked like he was a big uh, pot roast fan. So, uh, but God, the, yeah. the release date of this film that we're talking about is yeah. August 1st, 1986. So, yes, we are, uh, we are in the August month. So this is a uh, summer release for the, uh, for, which makes sense, you know, for, uh, it's a, but did this movie even take, yeah, it did. It, it took place in a camp, right? Did this movie mostly take case in a camp? Um, well, kind of. So remember they, uh, they renamed, yeah, they renamed the, uh, bitch, the camp that's right. to, uh, yeah, they renamed it. So it's the same place. They just called it something different. Oh yeah. We'll get to that part. That part is, uh, oh, pretty yeah. funny, but, uh, let's get into the history stuff. So I'll go first with the pro wrestling cause, uh, we got some okay. uh, fun metal to talk about, but I think this part of pro wrestling is pretty interesting. And I don't think a lot of people like know this, you know, if, if, you know, if you study 80s, 80s wrestling like we do you know we, we know mm-hmm. this but i think this is a really cool concept that i think can work today so the uh, the wc the wcw promotion jim crockett promotion all right was yeah. running a i would say a week or two long event 
Okay, and they've done this before. This is actually the second annual. And it is the Great American Bash. Okay? But it's a little different than how we kind of think about the Great American Bash, you know, nowadays or, you know, in the 90s and stuff. Where the Great American Bash was just like one pay-per-view out of the month. But how the original concept with the Great American Bash was, it was a big tour. As yes. a tour throughout, like, the, the Carolinas and, and different parts uh, you know, Greensboro is like it's a big tour. It's, it's kind of like how you see like the New Japan tours or something like that. But they named it. They named all these stops they did has the Great American Bash. So each stop that you were, it was the Great American Bash. It was just that Great American Bash in your city. Right, but they were all they all had different matches and they were all equally important. Yes, they all like led to each other. So they would have a match here and they'd all lead to the next match. So. Yes, exactly. So the cool thing about this one, so the movie was, like I said, was released on August 1st, 1986, but the day right after, August 2nd, okay, 1986, we had the final stop for the Great American Bash Tour. And it, this is like something I could feel like AEW like, would do or it kind of does, okay? Mm-hmm. So not only do we have live the great american bash uh actual show um happening but we also have a tv taping of their saturday night program on the same day okay yeah the the show aired on the same day yeah um and i was going to ask you about that because they talk about that like how it's like even ivan koloff is like it's not too late you can go buy tickets yeah so like is it so so i guess the bash started at like eight maybe and then, um, you know, this was on at 6.05. Well, hold on a second. So, obviously, this one was taped. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah, but it aired, though. Yeah, it time, aired, The yeah. day that it aired. Yeah, the so, second, on the second. Yeah, so this one aired on the second, but then they're actually doing the bash on the second as well, too. So, yeah. So, yeah, but the bash wasn't aired live, you know. so It wasn't aired at all. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So... You know, we just got like this TV taping, but they're all talking about the matches that they're happening that night. So yes, but uh, it's pretty pretty interesting. You know, this one is the uh, we just had uh, Dusty Rhodes defeat Ric Flair for the world belt. That big yep. gold belt, brother boy, he looked good with that belt too, huh? So, and I was going to ask you too about. There's a lot about this show I wanted to ask you about yeah. because um, I thought this was a little early for them to have the big gold belt. This is 1986. I didn't think they got it for another year or two. Yeah, I always forget because I always, you know, remember the uh, 10 pounds of gold, you know, yeah. going on for a while. But I guess, like, I don't know if it was introduced. I know Ric Flair introduced it on TV, but I don't remember yeah. the exact um, date that he did that. So it had to be either earlier this year or, like, right towards the end of 1985. I believe. Yeah, cause, uh, 85 just seems really early. So I think it was probably earlier in this year. Yeah. Because I and the reason they did that was cuz they wanted it to be bigger than somebody else's belt, right? I can't remember exactly whose, but somebody had a real cuz wrestling belts were actually pretty small uh in the 80s and the 70s and the 60s. They were more like boxing belts. And then somebody came out one of the territories had a really big belt and then Crockett wanted a larger belt than that, but I can't remember that that whole story though. But that that was my understanding of why why it happened. Yeah, I mean, let's see. Hold on. 
Uh, I'm trying to see if I could find the date that it got uh, released. Yeah. So it, it just says it was released in 1986. So it wasn't in 1985. Yeah. So it definitely was in 1986. Uh, let's see. Okay. The championship belt debuted on February 14th. 1986 okay. at a championship wrestling from Florida card called Battle of the Belts 2, brother, where the NWA World Heavyweight Champion Ric Flair defended the title against Barry Windham. So that's when the belt first. Wow. So, so yeah, it's pretty pretty new, I would say, because we're, we're in August right now, and this is February, so just a couple months of having that big old, good old, big old gold belt. So that's interesting. So they had Battle of the Belts 2, However, at their Battle of the Belts, as opposed to AEW Battle of the Belts that we've been going to, uh, Ric Flair, actually, the World Heavyweight Champion, actually appeared on that show yeah. and defended his title, as, as opposed to the under-under card, as we get yeah. on AEW's Battle of the Belts. So, yeah. so Tony Khan, I know you yeah. listen to the show. Yeah. I know, Tony, you listen to the show. So, uh, Battle of the Belts should have the Heavyweight Champion on it. Well, you know, uh, you know, you know, Tony, he's a big, uh, he's a big Friday the 13th fan, you know? I bet he is. That's probably why he's listening to the show. He, right he, he was especially, uh, 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 he especially liked the one from uh, last week. I did too. Because of the. Uh, Tony's you know, got good taste. He might like the uh, our good old boy Bill scene from last week. Mm-hmm. If you know what I'm talking about. Probably. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like, it's pretty interesting that that, that belt, like, just, uh, you know, this, this I always liked the big gold belt. That was always my favorite. It still is probably my favorite wrestling yes. world title. You know, it was the big that and the Eagles, the, the double Eagles belt. The double, yes, those those ones are usually yeah. the the most popular, and they're the most popular for a reason. Now, I will give the old the the uh, I call it the Okada one because he had it so many times. The Okada IWE IWGP title that was a good looking one. Too. Yeah, that's a good belt too, which is kind of modeled on this belt a little bit. Yeah, and of course, you know, um, nowadays we, we had yeah. the Seth Rollins, and his belt is very modeled after this one as well too. That's true, and I kind of like it too. Like I think with speaking of IWGP belts, I think we can all agree that the current IWGP belt is terrible. Oh yeah, it's big really bad. on the side. It's, it's awful. It looks like a demon belt or something. It does. <laughs> like with the butterfly. <laughs> yeah, it's like what the fuck. But um, there's a lot happening on the show. So, yes. so the the show that we I kind of want to talk about the card because the card is a little bit more important than the show that we watched. Show that we watched mm-hmm. was just it, it was it, to be honest, it was a little awkward. <laughs> it was. I just I want to talk about Ric Flair's promo though. Did yeah. you get that far? Yeah, yeah, I got That's that far. That's amazing. So that was a great promo. But like you know, so basically the setting is if y'all want to watch this, you just go to uh, the WCW Crockett uh, Saturday Night Show. It's they actually I don't know why, but they actually unlike TNT Tuesday Night Titans, they actually like labeled these by the month and the year. So if we just go to yeah. August second, nineteen eighty six. You can watch this, but basically, it's about like an hour and a half long. And yeah. majority of the, the my favorite part though was the beginning when you had fucking uh, David Crockett over there. Yeah, guys, this is gonna be the best ever, the best ever athletes you ever see in your life. This is the best. Like this is the best you ever. Seen. It's like, bro. Okay, we got it. It's like, no, no, you don't get hey guys, it. Guys, the best you, you show got, you're ever gonna see. Guys, you don't get it. This is the best. Look at it. Look at it. Look at this arena. Look at it. <laughs> yeah, because so that arena they're in is Fulton uh, County Stadium with a Braves play. Yeah. So that stadium is huge, and and according to my research, they that night they sold twelve thousand tickets. So that place would look fucking empty. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, so they probably were trying to sell as many seeds as they could. Yeah. Um, so there was like, you know, a little, a little more than a fifth of what the place would hold. Yeah. Um, but it's crazy. Guys. So That's some like good 20, matches. It was like 20% there. full. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, one thing I thought was funny was um, when he t- starts talking about um, uh, Magnum TA, <laughs> and then he kind of forgets what he's trying to talk about. Like he says, like Magnum TA, and then he pauses for a, s- a few seconds, like he doesn't remember what Magnum TA was doing on the show. And uh, you can just tell they did like it's a one take thing. He's like, "Oh yeah, you're going, you're trying to win your second win in this best of seven series and he like, starts talking about it then he like then he remembers and he goes back into his spiel again but um but yeah that was cool like i, I got excited like when yeah. i saw that show i got excited I'm like man i want to see this and then i remember that none of those were, were well i don't i'm not gonna say they weren't recorded i bet they were but they've never been released i wished i wish like somewhere in those archives They've got to be with the WWE, right? They've got to have that footage somewhere. It's like never been have, edited. Um, I feel like they have some Great American Bash tours like this, like filmed, but I don't know if they have all of them. Because I know they so, have, they have the, they have a couple of them with the Ric Flair versus, versus Ricky Morton. I've seen a couple of those. Yeah. So the way they did it though is they filmed it and then they edited it all together, like the like a best of the Bash tour. Yeah. And then they would put them on a VHS tape. And then you just had the best of all of those matches. So they never they never released the whole thing, but they would do like a best of. But I, I just can't believe that that footage is not out there. Although I've heard Jim Cornette say that footage that they that he saved he owns a lot of footage that that he saved out of the dumpster, and that yeah. Crockett like once they edited some film, they would just take the original film and the negatives and just throw it in the dumpster outside the office. So they could have just thrown this shit away for all we know. Yeah, which is crazy to think about nowadays. Yeah, right. You know? Throwing away history. Exactly. So the 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 setup of this show was basically they're like in this like dark room with like two camera like two lights on them, and they see a bunch of shadows yeah. behind them, and they're just on the couch talking with either like Tony Schiavone or I think there was one yeah. that actually uh, talked to uh, Bill after. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, we see, we basically, it kind of like goes through like the whole card. Basically, you know, you get like, I think in the beginning we had the Russians, right? Talking about their match. Uh, then Which we I had, thought was really funny. Yeah. yeah. And, and not only are they talking about their match, but then we see a match and they're talking about their match, like <laughs> over it. <laughs> right. Explaining yeah. how they're going to be the yeah. six man tag champions again. And this is mm. why we'll show you what's this film footage. Yeah. Um, what the, I thought was cool about this was like Ivan is totally in character at yeah. all times, and Barry Darso sounds, or excuse me, Crusher Khrushchev. <laughs> he is Barry Darso, but uh, Crusher Khrushchev sounds just like he's from like Minnesota, which he is. Yeah. Um, like he doesn't he doesn't he doesn't put on any kind of Russian accent or not like or anything. Um, he's just like yeah. I was like me and my uncle here. We're gonna like take the back the titles or whatever. He's like, and then Ivan's like. I don't know about Americans, you know, like doing the whole like Russian thing. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty, uh, <laughs> it's pretty Did good you get as far one. as when he read the letter? Uh, uh, no, I missed that I, part. When I, so Ivan reads, <laughs> you need to go back and watch this. Ivan reads, um, hate mail <laughs> from a fan <laughs> that they wrote in. And he's like, he's like playing it up so much. Cause it's like, 
it starts off. He's like, "Hey, Ivan, I don't know what." And Ivan's like, I, "I don't know. I don't know what hey means." And I'm like, "Come on." Like, <laughs> I mean, like I know you're trying to you're trying to like pretend like you don't understand like American like slang or whatever, but like really. Like, you don't know what the word hey means. Yeah. But he's like, hey, Ivan. And then he talks about, the guy goes on to talk about how Ivan's shitty and that they always cheat. And and he's like, he's like, and then he just goes off on this guy. Like, basically just cuts a promo on this guy that wrote this letter. It's pretty funny. <clears throat> That's some good stuff. But then after this, you know, we get uh, a couple interviews. We get a good one from Dusty Rhodes. Obviously, he just won the belt. Great one. Ta- yeah. Talking about, you know, defending it again against Ric Flair. And then he, uh, I think he commentates over like a animal and uh, uh, animal and hawk match. Yeah. Um, and then you know we get that interview with Ric Flair as well too, which he does a great one. He's like, "We go to this city, this city, this city. I'll freak get you guys." So that's a good. Uh, yeah, yeah Ric Flair. Good a couple of things that I, I thought that Ric Flair said that was of notable interest. Well, he's he mentions that he makes over a million dollars a year. Which yeah. in that time was an insane amount of money, probably. I'm sure it was. Oh yeah. I mean, it's a lot of money now, but I mean that back in 1986, that was probably an insane amount of money for a wrestler. Um, but the thing that stuck out to me the most, and I'm going to see if you think this is a shoot number or a work number. He says that over 12 years, his win loss record is 3,115 wins and six losses. He did so wrestle how a real lot. Do you think that is? <laughs> he did wrestle a lot. You're right. He did wrestle a lot, and he probably won most of the time. But like six losses in 12 years. I mean, every other year he lost once. That seems that seems a little hard to believe, but it seems like a number he just made up. Like he just picked a big number and then a little number and yeah. put them together. Well, I mean, you know, his his earlier <laughs> career, I'm pretty sure he took a bunch of losses. You know? Yeah. Well, at least five, right? Yeah. So. I don't know. That's uh that's it, you know, cuz you know we we know Rick Flair like kind of now like you know he did get a lot of losses, but you know he did win a ton cuz especially when he was the uh, the traveling NWA champion, you know, before true. he lost it to that's true. to Dusty, he probably was like <clears throat> wrestling every night. Sometimes twice yeah, on Sunday, brother. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> but uh <clears throat> But uh there's a couple things uh some of these matches are pretty good. So we actually have a um, Indian strap match with Wahoo McDonald uh, defeated Jimmy Garvin, and they were talking about this on this show too. This is like a this is like a like a blood feud right now with these two guys. So not not a not a bad Mm. match over there. And then you know we talked about this one earlier the uh, the best of uh, seven series uh, Magnum T A he actually defeated Nikolai Volkov. Uh, two to three. Nikita Koloff. Yeah. Nikita Koloff, yes. Yeah. So, yeah, because so, so best of seven, you only have to win four to win it. So Nikita was up three to nothing. And Magnum had won it the, the show before that in Greensboro. And then he wins again um, uh, at Atlanta that night. And then he would go on to win one more to win the title. Uh, no, no, Nikita wins it, right? I think Nikita wins. I think Nikita wins in the final match. Yeah. Yes. So then we had a. Tell me if you, this is an interesting match. <laughs> we have an NWA National Heavyweight Champion Brass Knuckles match. There's a lot going on in that. Yeah. So like, did they like? Do they have to like grab the brass knuckles from a pole, or they just come in with the brass knuckles? 
I thought they just came in with the brass knuckles. I don't think they had on a pole matches at this time. So I think they just came in with brass knuckles, but I could be wrong. Too bad, brother. Um, you know, everything's better on a yeah. pole. Everything is better on a pole. Yeah, you know, and, Jason uh, came back from a pole. That's true. That we yeah, a pole brought him back, that's yeah. for sure. Um, but uh Tully Blanchard is a national heavyweight champion as opposed to what Dusty Rhodes is, which is the world heavyweight champion. Yeah, I mean, come on, bro. So, he's only the national. Only national a, people na- <laughs> he represents, not the world. I mean, come on. He's the champion of the of the country, and yeah. Dusty Rhodes is the championship champion of the world. Of the okay, world, brother. Right. So you know, you know, fair enough. You know, Dusty, he can defend the the title in Iceland, and he's the he champion can. of that. Yes. Not not Tully Branch. He's not. He's only the national one. So that's how that makes sense. So then we have a bunkhouse match. Which we talked about some of those before. Rock and Roll Express, Ricky Morton, and Robert Goodson defeated the Andersons, Arn and Ollie Anderson. But that was a wild one. That seems like that, that seems great, like yeah. the Young Bucks versus the FTR nowadays. That's basically what that would have been. But in the eighties, exactly. Yeah, they should do that now. Yeah, like re- kind of redo that with those two teams yeah. in a bunkhouse match and have them dress like. Uh, the Rock and Roll Express. Well, they kind of do dress like a Rock and Roll yeah, Express. Like a, that's what I'm saying. It's basically the exact same match right there. Yeah. And that, that's why I always think it's funny when people shit on the Young Bucks and call them uh, Hardy Boys ripoffs because that's what Jim Cornette calls them. And that's because people that hate the Young Bucks, they, they're basically just parrots of Jim Cornette. But, um, but I, I mean, when I see them, I see the Rock and Roll Express more than I see the Hardy Boys. Oh, yeah. For sure. Even though, even though, though, like, like the Young Bucks, you know, I think they they can stand on their own, like their own. Like if they did singles, they would do sure. fine on their own. The Midnight Express, not so much. Robert Gibson was a little little rough around the edges, brother. Like you know what I mean? Like he yeah. was, uh, yeah. he wasn't the most uh, charismatic guy we've ever seen. That's why, you know, that's Ricky, why Ricky did all the talking. <laughs> yes, exactly. We did all the talking, and that's why he was like uh, he can. He basically could have had a singles run. You know, he kind of did yeah. too when he was facing Flair. Yeah, I did at the bashes. So yeah, and then when he turned heel, he was kind of a uh, kind of he had a kind of a singles run when he was Richard yeah. Morton. Yeah, exactly in and the nineties, and yeah. he's still going today, brother. This guy don't stop. Still going today. Damn. Yeah, still still wrestling today with, with his son, teaming with his son. Yeah. So we have the uh, the Road Warriors, Hawk and Animal Brother, Jack to the Gills at this time, bro. These guys were, bro. You want to see some tough motherfuckers. All right? That's what these guys are. Just jacked. Legitimately tough. Fucking Jim up in there, brother. I talked about that pot roast beef. Here it is, brother. The beef is right yeah. here. Okay? And they had Baby Doll in their corner, by the way. And they defeated the Midnight Express, Bobby Eaton and Dennis Condry with Jim Cornette. So, not, not pretty good I match. That, I like that match. Wasn't it a three-on-three match? The uh, Road Warriors and Baby yes, Doll versus yes. Jim Cornette and the Midnight Express. Guy. Yes, yeah, it was a yes. You got it. So I so far this card is awesome. Like I would have loved to see this. You know what I mean? Like I bet all these Hell matches. Yeah, this are would great. Be great all show. these matches are great. And then you get this great world title match. The main event in a cage. In a cage, Dusty Rhodes champion defeats Ric Flair to retain the title. Uh oh, that's. So lost number seven, lost for Rick number Flair. seven, brother. It's getting he down. only lost six times yeah. in you know twelve years, and now he's lost one more time, seven times. I mean, he can do that. You know what I mean? Because he sure. has he has spilled more liquor than I make in a year. So that's true. He told that's me true. that he's, once. 
Yeah, he's he's spent more money on spilled liquor than you make in a year. That's yes. for sure. <laughs> that's a great line. <laughs> this guy was fucking awesome, bro. Like, godly, can you imagine? Like, the the this this can you? I would love to go into a Crockett show. You know what I mean? Like, I know we were oh like, oh my god, yeah. I mean, that had to be like the funnest. Like, I mean, these all these guys are great. You know what I mean? Like this right here, like. This is some like you know like I think this wrestling right here is like almost the pinnacle of a lot of wrestling just because yeah you know it just they had like they had pretty much they had like everything bro they had these great stars these great personalities like these realistic characters you know these great matches yeah. even the squash matches were good sometimes like you know yeah. it's just crazy and and that's why people talk about like wrestling from this era and like how what AEW needs to do or WWE needs to do to get these people back to watch wrestling. These people will never come back and watch wrestling. You will never see anything this good ever again. Probably. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like nothing in my opinion, even, even from the attitude era, which I loved, there was nothing like this. Yeah. I mean, no, no cards like this. It just, it just like, you know, I still like the wrestling nowadays that we see. You know what I mean? I, I do. Too. I like I it a lot, and I think they have like a really good on the big shows, and a lot of the matches are crazy. But mm-hmm. it just this one was just like if you watch it, and like really follow it, you're like, man, like, like people are like going crazy for this shit. You know what I mean? And like yes. it, they yeah. just they kind of mix like Crockett kind of mix like the big personalities with the really good wrestling. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, you know, when you watch, like, the right nowadays, you have the WWE, which has really good personalities, and the wrestling could be good, but not all the time. And then you got right. AEW, where you have the wrestling is great, but you don't really have the bigger-than-life personalities. So it's it's hard to juggle the two. But I think at this yeah. particular, especially at this time, Crockett is, like, doing it. It's like, boom. Yeah. And, like, fire. they're, and... Everything they do is good. And they're still getting their ass whooped by the F, which is crazy to me. Well, kind of. I mean, not not really, honestly. I think that if you dug into that, I think that a lot of the things that the F was doing during this time was they were shows that they were kind of worried about Crockett coming up because Crockett really just took off in '85. Yeah, like when Arn Anderson got there, and then like the Four Horsemen started that, and then the Road Warriors got there, and then um, uh, you know, Dusty had been there a couple of years. It just shot up. Yeah. Like it just went through the roof. That's and, true. And um, they still have Magnum. He hasn't had an accident yet. Like they, they are. That hadn't happened to that. Oh. Happened two months later. Th- look at this um, card, but, man. It's just crazy. Like I would love to go into this fucking card. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then they were about to uh, expand out west. So they were going to go. They started going out to California, which is one of the things that killed them, was trying to expand too far. Um, you know, they had Starcade in, in Chicago where it should have been in Greensboro. But, but yeah. I mean, they were, uh, yeah, I wouldn't say they were getting killed by the F, but, you know, the F was definitely more popular. Nationally, Hogan was killing everything. Yeah. But, yeah, this is a great card. Uh, I mean, I mean, listen, you got the freaking Frankenstein, Jason. You got this Great American mm-hmm. Bash card. I'm all in. You know what I mean? Yep. All we're missing is the music, Absolutely. and we got some good music. Yeah. We got our boy Alice Cooper. He's back on the retro Alice blood, Cooper, brother. Back on the retro blood. So, so there, well, go ahead. you want to explain it, or do you want me to explain it? The, no, the, you can explain it. Well, I'll, just, I'll, I'll correct anything that you get wrong. Well, I, I was just going to say the reason we're we're doing Alice Cooper right now is because he did the uh, the 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 title track for the song 
mm-hmm. for the, not the song for the movie. Uh, he's back, the man behind the mask, which is like the yes. the, the song that you hear at the uh, end credits of this movie. And he also did uh, two other songs for this movie as well: the Teenage Frankenstein brother. Yeah. All right. And he did the Hard Rock Summer, which was not on this album that we're gonna be talking about, but it was in the movie. So he had three songs on this Jason movie. So I said we're mixing the metal with the with the horror movies, brother. And this album that he came out is a uh, Constrictor. And mm-hmm. like you were saying, um, I believe it was a couple episodes back. I believe it was when we did the uh, Friday Thirteenth Part Four. You were talking about the um, Alice Cooper. I guess he took like a little break for a while. And then this is like his forte back into like the like his normal style, like his like more like you know rocker, kind of like rocker gothic style a little bit around this time. Yeah, yeah. Like he had tried to in the early '80s. He had tried, as a lot of '70s bands did, tried to fit into like what the '80s was. So he was trying to make this like really artsy, like new wave music, and. It just really didn't do very well. I mean, there are people that love those albums, but I don't know who they are. Um, but he says that there are. But um, but they, but yeah, he was definitely trying to do something different. Um, it, but it just wasn't. It just didn't have like any bite to it or any edge. It was just like weird artsy new wave music. But um, by this point, he had started to. I don't know if he had completely given up drinking and drugs yet, but he was about to. Um, but he came back, he met Kane Roberts who became his longtime lead guitar player for a while. And they started writing some like more heavier music to get, get again. And Constrictor was like his, uh, kind of his step back into that. I can't remember if Constrictor came out before raise your fist and yell, but I believe it did. Um, well, it looks like he was, he uh, looks like the, the album, uh, Dada was his last until he released this one. Okay, yeah, so Dada was still that weird, like, new wave music. So he did this, and then this got him back into uh, to the heavy metal thing, which we all were all we were all happy Alice Cooper came back with more music. It's a good like album, too. To. <clears throat> it is. Constrictor's a great album. Yeah, I like a lot of the songs. It kind of reminds me of, like, a l- semi-hair band a little bit. You know what I mean? A little bit, yeah, because that was what was popular. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, that makes sense, and... Um, but yeah, Kane, uh, Kane Roberts played guitar on this, um, Kip Winger, who would, who would start Winger a few years later was the bass player. Um, I can't remember who else was in his band, but it was, um, uh, yeah, the, this the was drums fe- featured David Rosenberg, David Rosenberg. Okay. And is there a keyboard player on the album or I don't see no I'm keyboard sure there is, but all right. Then maybe he didn't have an official keyboard player, but, um, yes. Yeah, so Constructor was like, like his what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, his, um, I guess his announcement that he's back, you know, playing heavy metal again, instead of this kind of silly music that he was playing. Yeah. Uh, it's got a great cover too, with the, uh, with the snake in his mouth. Yeah. The little constrictor <laughs> in his mouth. That was, that was fucking awesome. So, um, it, it's a really, really good album though. Yeah. So like, a couple of like, like factoids about the album is so apparently you know during his uh three-year hiatus from the uh the music industry i i didn't know this but apparently he started in some uh some horror movie named monster dog we gotta do that one on the yes. retro blood brother that'd be fun we are 
Monster Dog was directed by someone that we've just did a movie with. Uh, well, he uh, we, he just did another. Uh, oh, Claudio! Boy, another, Claudio. Yes, Claudio. Claudio directed Monster Dog. We're gonna do Monster Dog eventually for yeah. sure. Our boy Claudio's back. Oh, that'd be a fun one. And yeah. then, uh, so a couple about this album. So when it was released, uh, apparently this like he got up back up to the charts on this one for a couple songs. Um. So so the the song he's back. Okay, obviously was uh, part of the Friday the 13th, Part 6, Jason Lives song. Mm, yeah. And apparently, though, like, this song wasn't, like, at first it wasn't ri- written for for the, uh, like, the demo wasn't written for, for Friday the 13th, okay? But mm. it was reworked in a version of He's Back to, to Corn Light to, to, to be a part of the Friday the 13th, Part uh, 6, Jason Lives. So it was remixed because of this movie. So that's pretty cool. Yes. And uh, so the, the the track also, the Great American Success Story, was apparently intended as a theme song to Rodney Dangerfield's film Back to School, 1986, but was not actually used, brother. So that's a little bit about it. Uh, let's see. So apparently that demo... For he's back, the man behind the mask. Uh, the the demo is a, is actually on one of the albums, uh, Trick Bag. So yeah, so yeah, because they completely reworked it for the movie. Yes. So it sounded it used to sound completely different, but I think that they added the sound effects from the movie and that kind of thing stuff into it. So Constrictor also led to the uh, most successful tour of the late 1980s, the Nightmare Returns tour. So that was like his most successful tour. It was from coming from this album, so everybody was pretty excited to see him come back to his uh, his '80s rock and roll style music. They didn't want that fucking bullshit from earlier. Yeah, because basically you hadn't wouldn't have seen an Alice Cooper show in you know the Alice Cooper show you're used to since like 1978 or something. So it's been nearly 10 years since people saw Alice Cooper the way they're used to seeing him. Yeah. So I'm sure a lot of people were super excited to have him back. And apparently that uh, guy, guy Kane Roberts, he did the keyboards mm-hmm. as well. So he was uh, he was okay. He did guitar, bass, keyboards, drums, and backing vocals. So he kind of did a little bit of everything. He was actually um, in Alice's band like recently. Oh, nice! Again, because uh, you know um, what's her name? Um, Is it daughter? Uh, n- no, Nita Strauss. The yeah, guitar player Nita Strauss. Yeah. So she. Um, she she took a hiatus from his band and then last summer he brought Kane back um and, and then just this past spring i think nita came back and kane left again but that would have been kind of cool to see and i think he actually played some of the i know we played teenage frankenstein um but i'm not sure if he played he's back but um it would be kind of cool to, to have seen him with kane roberts and to see see him play these songs live again because he doesn't do uh He's back, the man behind the mask, very often. Yeah, that's a good really song, fun. though. Oh yeah, really good song. We'll probably be playing that one at the end of the show, brother. At the end, yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, so far so good when it comes to what we would be listening to on our way to the Great American Bash tour and on our way to the theater to see Jason come back to life, brother. Uh, yeah, we got a lot to talk about in that. Now, why is Jason back to life? Well, we'll get into that right now with the Who booked this shit, brother? All right, Tom McLellan. 
Mm. All right. He is the guy who directed Friday the 13th, part six, Jason Lives. And, and he wrote it. And he wrote it too. All right. So apparently, they Paramount. So Paramount is kind of like, they seem like they just want money. <laughs> okay. So we, we talked about yeah. Paramount like trying to get out of the slasher horror film, and now they got back because the movie made so much money. Now, so like we were saying last week, the original idea was to have how it was supposed to be in the original, where Friday the 13th was supposed to be like a, you know, we would release one every year, but we'd have like a new killer or a new story. You know what I mean? But the audience was yeah. like, listen, we pay this money, but this shit, like, with the whole swerve, we don't give a fuck about that. Where's our boy Jason? He's the draw brother. Okay? He's the draw. Mm-hmm. So Paramount, yep. they basically were like, okay, we got the feedback. We want to make another one of these movies to keep the shit going because we like this money. So we're going to give the the reins to this Tom guy. Hey, Tom, you can write whatever you want, but don't make this fucking Jason. Uh, he's an unstoppable killer and put him over. All right, man. Book, well, I book think he strong. just said it had to have Jason. It just had yeah. to have Jason in it as the villain. I think is what they what and they, they said they told him to, they basically told him to book him strong. Yeah, true, and he did, uh, and he did. So, and he did, yeah. So what what our boy Tom was trying to do was he was trying to make the film semi campy. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like he was trying to do that scream thing where it's like, okay, we know we're in a horror film and we're doing you know this, which. Yes. I think it works, but obviously it worked for Scream, which came out like way later. Okay. But, yeah. and that's uh, apparently this is one of the films that kind of influenced it as well, too, with the yeah. I'm semi breaking the fourth wall gimmick. Yeah. Like when the gravedigger talks to the camera. Yeah. And then when the yeah. girl's like, oh, I've seen guys in masks and horror movies, I know what's going on here. Right. So, but yeah, like he, he, he purposely put that in a movie because he felt like, it'd be like something a little different, like something a little bit more, you know, because we've seen so much of this other style of this kids running around. He was just thinking about making it more, a little bit more campy, a little more like, you know, joke on itself, plus trying to make it a little bit more like a universal monster type of movie than like a normal yeah. like slasher type, you know, which I can respect that part, you know, the universal style. I get it, especially, you know, because it makes sense doing it like that because, you know, how are you going to explain this this Jason guy who's been dead. You know what I mean? How, like, <laughs> how else is he going to come well, back to life? All right. <laughs> you, you bring him back to life through electricity and lightning, just like Frankenstein. Yeah. There you go, brother. So a couple of things. So the original story had Tommy Jarvis become the series new and uh, antagonist, you know, like the villain, Yeah. which we saw in sure. part five, you know, this guy yeah. somehow stole from the evidence locker even though he was like passed out and he somehow he got it he got the blue mask or the blue hockey mask he got it put it on and he fucking uh, was going after her okay but mm-hmm. but but and that's the last time we saw it but they were just like but since we had a a poor fan reaction they just fucking dropped that shit like oh that never happened that was a dream never brother. Happened. it was a dream it was all a dream even though he had a dream within the dream i guess <laughs> so he had a dream yeah. about him attacking and then he had another dream, I guess. <laughs> right. So he had a dream yeah. where he woke up and he was attacking somebody. Yeah. And then he then then he woke up from that dream inside another dream and yeah. saw Jason and then put well, the mask on. Hey, it makes then, sense. But then he woke up again. Yeah. So this all makes sense to me. 
because we're oh, gonna we're, we're gonna find out later on that the Nightmare on Elm Street series is the mm-hmm. same universe as Friday the Thirteenth, so it all makes sense. Having double yeah, dreams. That's true. That's true. So, see, it all make it, it, it. See, you can make anything make sense almost. <laughs> so let's see yes. the. Uh, <laughs> So the producers instead brought Jason Voorhees back, and no mention is made of the events of the previous film. So we don't like that one didn't even happen, brother. Like that—that's in the past. We we're like it's kind of like it's kind of like uh, watching Monday Night Raw. Oh, what happened last week? That didn't really matter. We're gonna go for this week. Well, it doesn't completely not matter, like because they talk about how he escaped from the mental asylum. Yeah, but like that could have just been we we could have literally just had number four and then had this movie. Oh, well, that's true. We could have. Yeah, yeah. you're right. Um, but yeah, they do talk about that, how he escapes from the mental asylum with uh, the guy that played Horshack on uh, Welcome Back, Cotter. Yeah. So, which weird. So, which is something, though, which, with our boy uh, McClunk made. He made Jason, like we were saying, like an unstoppable Frankenstein monster. And that is actually the Jason that became, I would say, the most popular that people yeah, think about when sure. they think about Jason, they pretty much think about this one. Even though we, I think we can agree, Allison, we like either the sack Jason or the one that was in like number three or four. You know, because they're kind of like the same. Yeah. So this is kind of what I was talking about last week when I said that, and the week before when I said that it's still like, especially up to number four, it's still that dark, kind of grimy not necessarily the hillbilly Jason, but like the, you know, like he's still kind of a regular person, even though he is a little bit no selling like machetes to the shoulder and shit like that, you know, and, and being hung and stuff like that access to the face. All right. He's no selling a lot, but, um, you know, he's still kind of realistic. And here is where you have Jason, the superhero from this movie on, they start, people start pulling for Jason to kill people as opposed to being scared of Jason. And that's when it turns for me, you know what I mean? To where it turns to something I don't, I don't like so much. It's glossy and, you know, Jason, Jason's supernatural, although it makes sense story-wise it's, it's kind of, this is the movie where it kind of turns and becomes much more glossy and professional, I guess you could say. Well, it looks like Allison looks like me and you might be in the minority because the critics, they love this film. They got positive reception yeah, from this. And apparently this is a big fan favorite one. It is a big fan favorite. It's one of the, some, some people like this movie the most. Yeah. Um, out of them. Um, and I did want to point out that I wished um, for many reasons that he was still alive, but in the Wikipedia page, which I try not to read, but they do mention um, for reviews, they uh, quote uh, Ken Hankey. Who was uh he was a uh an editor of Rue Morgue magazine, I believe, but he lived in Asheville and I he I was friends with him for years, actually. Um well, he has a wealth of knowledge on old horror movies. Uh, he started the horror film society in Asheville, which I went to a few of their meetings when I first moved here back here. Um, he says that it's the best of the of, of all the movies and I don't know why he thinks that. Maybe because he, he he thinks it's funny. But yeah. um, but I thought it was weird to read that Ken Ken thought that. And I wish Ken was still alive because I would love to ask him why he why he thought this was the uh, the best of all of them. Well, you know, like it, it it has its good parts, which we'll get into. So 
you know, a couple of things as well, too. You know, we do have one connection to the fifth movie, which was Pam's truck, that blue truck, you know, yes. he was driving in. So that, mm-hmm. so basically that right there was trying to say, like, you know, hey, that he fifth one Pam. that happened, he didn't actually kill Pam. Um, and then so, but which is funny, though, because remember I was talking about those um, Friday the 13th uh, uh, Tommy Jarvis tapes from the Friday the 13th game? Yeah. So the guy yeah. who wrote, wrote wrote that was actually his name is Adam Green, and apparently in those tapes he explained that the fifth the fifth film was uh, was Tommy's dream. So the the whole film was just Tommy's dream. Oh, so I'm telling you, no, everything no, is a dream, that. brother. Everything is just a dream. No, <laughs> not not the whole movie. The end of it, okay, but not the whole movie. No, it was so the ending. Far- I meant, I meant the ending. It, it'd be fine if the whole movie was, but the ending. So he had two dreams in oh, one. Okay, like we were saying. Yeah. How how far after part five is this movie? Do you think it doesn't really tell us? It doesn't really tell us at all. So I don't know if we could do our timeline because, like, I can't I tell if so it's supposed to take like timeline. yeah. I don't. I can't tell if it's supposed to be like well, he had to be back in the asylum though because he brought yeah, his fucking I mean, for boy. Sure, but he brought his fucking boy Hess yeah, or whatever. Right. So he was seventeen or eighteen in, in number five. So I mean, it's probably can't be more than like what three or four years later. So yeah. It's like nineteen ninety three or four, maybe. Um, you know, so we're up in the nineties now. Um, you know, he's still not listening to grunge. You know, he's still they're still listening to Alice Cooper and stuff. But, uh, but yeah, it's like ninety three probably, and when this movie takes place. But um, yeah, so it's weird because he. Uh, well, we'll talk about it. But yeah, so um, I don't know. I I go back and forth like. I, I have in, in the past enjoyed watching this movie, but I did not really like it this time compared to the ones we've seen before now. However, I might like it better after I watch part seven. We'll see. So, so our boy, John Shepard, okay, he was the guy who played Tommy in number five. Mm-hmm. They tried to book him, right? All right. But he's all like, they ain't working for me, brother. All right. So mm-hmm. apparently our boy is a, uh, he's a hardcore Christian. And he had some uh, he had some thoughts about not returning to the series based on the atmosphere surrounding a new beginning. So apparently he didn't like all the cocaine and sex in the woods. I'd have been like, well, fuck. I mean, fuck. I would. I would be like, is, is Jason Lives going to have more of that? Because count me in, brother. <laughs> 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 I'll play a little Tommy Jarvis. I don't give a fuck. So he was like, now nah, that's not working for me. So then that's when we brought on Tommy Matthews. Okay, and the. Uh, you know, because they wanted to get him. They they wanted to like keep the Tommy character going. Obviously, the guy did pretty good. Number five is Tommy. Even though I kind of like this yeah, guy well, a little better though. This this new guy. Oh, he's much better. But <clears throat> my understanding though is that he originally didn't want to do it, but then when he read the script, he decided he was going to do it because of the character. Because the little girl prays and Jason doesn't kill her. Yeah. So he wanted to do it just because it had religion in it, which yeah. is the only Friday the Thirteenth movie that has that mentions God in any way. Um, but um, but then he decided to do a different movie instead. Yeah, he did the f- the film Caught. Caught when that that was a huge hit. I'm yeah, sure. what a what a hit, bro. Uh, I think the guy's a I think the guy's a preacher now. Yeah, it's probably like a preacher. Yeah. So Tom Matthews probably making we, more money than he would as an actor. Uh, yeah, that's true. You know what I mean? So the the, the probably guy one of those private jet preachers. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> go ahead. But they've been doing it for a while. If he's still, I'm not even gonna research if he's still alive or not. Oh, fuck it, I'll just do it. <laughs> Let's see this motherfucker. Blah blah blah. 
career. Okay. Da, da, da. Doesn't say anything about him fucking being alive or not. Mm. Nah, I don't see nothing. I bet he is. I bet he is. Yeah, he's probably out there doing his thing. So anyway, this guy, the new guy, the new Tommy, Thomas Matthews, we actually would recognize him because he was in the movie Return of the Living Dead. Mm-hmm. He was the two weeks in a row we've had somebody from Return of the Living Dead. Yeah, exactly, brother. They're just hopping around these actors and stuff. So, um, but yeah, like uh, pretty good. So let's see. And I do want to rec- uh you know, I do want we don't we don't really talk too much about who like plays the Jasons and stuff. Um, but the uh, uh, the you know most of them are like a bunch of stunt actors that play Jason. But I thought the C.J. Uh, Graham guy that does does do a pretty good job and uh, um, playing them. Yeah, I, I thought that Kane Hodder played Jason in Fart Six, but I was wrong. I no, guess. no. So he is going to be next week, brother. And yeah, he's, so he's the be one. Seven. Yeah, he and apparently he's the one who did like the most Jason films. I think he did four. Where like a lot of yeah, people. Yeah, Kane Hodder is Jason now. Yeah. So like, well, I I don't think he was in. Uh, did he do Freddy versus Jason? I don't think he did that one. But we'll we'll get into that one later when we talk about him. Sure. <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, the music a lot. Alice Cooper on here. Um, this movie did like you know pretty well at the box office too. But you know, I say we get into it though because there is a lot to discuss about Friday mm-hmm. the Thirteenth Part Six. Jason Liz, brother, he's back. Let's, he's back. Let's get into it. All right, let's do it. They thought the nightmare was dead and buried. They were wrong. Jason lives. Happy Friday the 13th. Friday the 13th, part six. Jason lives. Rated R. Starts Friday, August 1st at a theater near you. So we start off. We have Tommy and his friend, Hals, all right, Sp- speeding, going. They, they, ex- they apparently they escaped from the asylum together. All right, they did. And so, okay. So right off the bat, I'm semi confused, but I can kind of get this. So the whole reason for for Tommy escaping is he is so obsessed. With Jason, because when he was like, what, what did we say? He was 12, 13, maybe? When he yeah, killed Jason 13, yeah. for Jason coming to the uh, to the lake house that his family owned. And he killed him. And then he has like these murderous rages. And then ever since then, he's been locked up in the insane asylum because he became crazy. He apparently has a bunch of dreams about killing Pam. All right. And then yeah. now it's like, you know what? You know what will cure me? Let me just go to Jason's grave and dig yep, him up. Dig it up. And pour gasoline on him. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. How does that work out? <laughs> that makes sense. So And he has Jason's red mask. Yeah, and he somehow. brought and he brought the mask, but like I guess he was trying to burn that too. <laughs> and yes, he had that mask too. I guess. So I'm not sure how he got that mask. Now we know if we count him the fifth one. Like we are because he's driving Pam's car. There's no Pam though. She ain't she ain't around. She she wasn't booked. 
Um, no. Maybe what he did was, okay, I got this blue mask. Why don't I just paint this red? Okay, there we go. Okay. Uh, but no, because yeah. it's got the scar. It's got the scar in it from the ha- axe from. Part well, three. he he cut. So that he's part had two. it. Yes, he he collects them. Oh, okay. Okay. Maybe. Okay. He, he I think collects he, the mask. He, yes. So he's had that mask since he was twelve. Yes, and he has the sack one too. And they let him keep it. Yeah, I guess so. Keep yeah. It. yeah. Okay. That's not evidence, brother. Okay. Yeah. No. What could go wrong? So the the house guy, uh, he is like, man, why are we doing this? <laughs> <laughs> why are we doing this again so they go to the grave so this this whole scene was basically the scene that we saw on number five just like over again you know with the you know number five where there's two kids on un- unearth yeah. jason's grave and Dig he gets killed yeah. back back in uh cory Feldman's backyard in his la house exactly. so we see the same thing so they're they ungrave Jason and he has maggots all over him. He's basically dead. Like, and then he's like, "Well, I gotta send him to oh, hell." He's dead. The guy was like, "I gotta send him to hell." I was like, "I was just thinking." Well, he looks like he's pretty much in hell right now. I mean, he has like maggots all over him. Shit. He, 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 I mean, he, yeah, he's, he's pretty much barely gone. together. Like, why are we doing yeah. this? Okay, does anybody ask why we're doing this? Okay, listen, bro. Well, Hawes did. Yeah, he did. Like, <laughs> wait. Well, what was his plan here? Okay, I'm gonna go dig up this dead guy and burn his body, and then uh, now I'll be cured. Okay, now. Well, yeah. So, so the reason he he does have a reason for doing it. The reason, well, the reason he's doing it is because um, everybody thought Jason was cremated, but he wasn't. He, they yeah. just buried him. Um, and they, I think they meant, don't they mention in this movie like why he wasn't cremated? Maybe they don't. But anyway, he uh, they thought that everybody thought Jason was cremated, and then um, Tommy finds out he's not, so he's going to go burn his body. Well, hold on. Which, I, okay, he, he kind of does. So tell me if, if Allison, let's say you had some uh, 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 childhood trauma, and you go, yeah. you're in a, in a sense of asylum, you get out, and you go to your uh, trauma person's grave, and you basically want to end yeah. it. What would you do first? Would you open it up, pour the gasoline, pour the little light on there, and leave, or would you grab a piece of the fence that has steel that has magic powers to get this creature back to life? Which one would you do? All right. Okay. So in Tommy's defense, and I never thought I would say those words, but in Tommy's defense, there's no way he could possibly have known what's about to happen would happen because one, it's impossible. Well, hold on. But two. Hold on. Our girl yes, that will come up he, later says she's seen this shit in horror movies, which I've had too. So if we're breaking the fourth wall, okay, I could have been Haas on here, but like, bro, I've seen this in horror movies. You're gonna saw, put the shit in there and he's gonna up like Frankenstein. Because we're breaking we're like, breaking the fourth wall, aren't we? Are we not or no? Exactly, exactly. You're gonna uh-huh. put that shit in Jason, light is gonna strike and it's gonna bring yeah. his ass back to life. I saw it in Frankenstein and, in the 30s. This is it's yes. gonna happen again. And has he not seen the <laughs> 80s Blue Lightning? We've seen that fucking every episode on the Retro Blood. <sighs> That's true. That's huh. true. But yeah, so he basically just loses his mind. Like he's gonna burn Jason's body and then leave, but he loses his mind and he wants to stab him with this big metal fence post. Yeah. So Jay, so Tommy fucks up and he <laughs> he stabs him with the big fence post. Then lightning comes down. And brings Jason back. Can you believe this whole movie is about this guy fucking up? It's kind of funny, yeah, in a way. Jason would have been dead and gone if he just left it the fuck alone. But that's the case with most things, you know. Most times, people get fucked up in their lives is because they just mess with something they shouldn't have messed with. So Jason gets reanimated like Frankenstein. 
from the mm-hmm. blue light from the 80s blue lightning and <laughs> during this like the the face on time was like oh shit i didn't even get to pour the gasoline <laughs> on them yet <laughs> it's like oh shit like yeah. that fucked this up this, this look of oh shit i fucked yeah. this up it's on his face yeah so jason and vincy kills haas okay yeah and time is like well fuck this and he runs away <laughs> and i think it's kind of funny how uh jason picks up the mask because it's just laying on the ground oh yeah that's it's yeah. like he just sees it he's like oh yeah oh yeah i remember I'm that you brought this with you and he puts it back on yeah exactly well it's like oh i brought it for you when you got reanimated <laughs> <laughs> conveniently so you didn't have to go find um. it or get a different mask and then uh by the way he throw he throws a, a house he throws him in the grave Okay, with his foot hanging out. Mm. And then Tommy leaves. All right, so now we have the little intro and everything telling us Jason has returned. So now we meet Police Sheriff Garris. All right. And Tommy was semi Loomis levels right now. Mm-hmm. So semi. Yes. So he comes in there freaking out and. and this, this this scene had like a little Halloween Loomis vibes to me, because Tommy walks into the police station and says, oh, "He's alive! I, I shot him six times, but it didn't work. I'm six times. I tried to pour gasoline on this motherfucker, but I fucked up, and he, I stuck a pole in him, and there's blue lightning everywhere, and he's up. And the sheriff's like, "What the hell are you talking about?" I was like, "He's like, my name is. He's like, what's your name? Tommy Driver. It's like, ah, oh, you must have been from the old regime. Don't you know that we changed?" The town's named the Forest Green. Yeah, so Jason's not mad anymore. And I'm just like, what does that have to do with anything? <laughs> <laughs> I just told like, you this like that. Not... Would, like, <laughs> like that. Like Jason would even care or even know that you changed the town's name. Yeah, but then basically, this guy just thinks like, listen, we were we were trying to not. So okay, so the 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 booked storyline was the town of. So apparently, Crystal Lake's a town now. Like the whole town is Crystal yeah. Lake. It's not just like subparts like Pinehurst and that. No, the whole place is now Crystal Lake. Crystal okay. Lake, yeah. So what what happened all those lake houses? They call it. I thought Crystal Lake was just a section. Uh, like the no, no, that was Camp Crystal Lake. My bad. Okay, so Crystal Lake's yeah, the whole no, town, right? And then you had Camp Crystal Lake. Uh, yes. Then you had this other section, and then you had some lake houses. Okay, gotcha. But now we changed the whole town of of Crystal Lake to Forest Green. So. Yes, that's all in there now. Okay. Well, yeah, it's kind of like Lake Lure. Yeah. You know, kind of near where we live. Like, you know, Lake Lure is a lake, just like just like Crystal Lake is a lake. But the town is also called Lake Lure. So you can live, like people say, oh, I live in Lake Lure, which, you know, they don't literally live inside the lake. They live in a town next to the lake. And Crystal Lake is kind of the same way. Oh, we live at Crystal Lake, you know, which is next to Crystal Lake. Um, but now it's Forest Green. And everything is fine. Nothing is going to go wrong. So this cop basically just think Tommy is some sort of crazy maniac. So he just locks him up in a cell. And he doesn't yes. want to hear all that shit about Jason because at this particular time, everybody thinks Jason is like a like a like a myth, like a legend. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, for anybody that has the uh, Shout Factory uh, deep Blu-rays or stuff like we've been watching, yeah. um, I do like the mock. Uh, Crystal Lake documentary series, and I think they actually um, do pretty good about explaining things. You know, they try to like fill in all the gaps and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but uh, watch it. Have you been watching that or no? 
those like that like no, crystal lake memories or something um well crystal lake memories is like the do- the big documentary um i know what you're talking about i i watched a little bit of one of them in part two yeah. but i didn't watch the rest of it it's pretty good everybody um, check it out i actually like it it's like the it's like you could tell it's totally like cheesy and stuff but it's pretty good so now we're showing these uh two supposedly camp counselor leaders okay mm. and they're driving in their car and they're about to get stuck in the mud and then all of a sudden the girl says hey i've seen enough horror movies to know that a person in a mask is up to no good this is when we see Jason uh-huh. with the big pole. And I couldn't tell if he had his Batman belt on yet or not. Did he have his Batman belt on here right now? Um, I don't know when he picks it up if he didn't have it already. Yeah, so like this Jason is like the only one that has like a utility belt. It's like yeah, it's like it's gonna go fix like it's gonna have to let's say he's gonna go fix electricity <laughs> or something. <laughs> 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 so he can carry all his little things and all those pouches yeah so and i believe the girl who played i believe i'm not exactly sure but i swear they said the girl that was like in the car was this tom director's wife i believe so yeah his wife played uh the girl in the car yeah yeah they have names but i mean they did like two seconds of film so who gives a shit so the guy is like hey I got his gun here. She's like, well, why did you have that? No. It's like, don't worry, but I'm going to go talk to him. She's like, I don't think you should talk to him. Because, <laughs> like, they try to back up, but they're going to get stuck. So they try to, like, semi try to run over him, but they're too, they, they, they're they not going to do it. So he goes out there to try to, like, threaten him with the gun. Jason just stabs his ass. Girl freaks out. And there's a scene where you can see Jason, he, like, uses the pole to shatter the window. Mm-hmm. And I, that seems pretty cool. But he also said, like, the guy was like, he almost like hit the girl too. Like right when they're doing the, the scene, he almost like was like a couple inches from actually stabbing her with that fucking pole for real. I don't right. know. So he almost stabbed the director's wife in the face. Yeah, pretty much. You know who would have been, uh, you know who would have liked that? Uh, Dario Argento. Who? He would like that. For sure. Yeah. Right, right in the eyeball. Right, right now, my brother. So then the girl gets out and she falls out of the car and she's about to give Jason some money. And so you couldn't really see this on like the uh, haggard VHS version, but I saw, but on the uh, nice 4K version that we watched, he was just going to give his ass $40. Yeah. So what the fuck are you going to do with $40? $40 to leave her alone. And your right. fucking bank card. Your American Express yeah, bank I'm, card. All right. I mean, before he was living in a hole in the ground, he was living in like a shack for years. Yeah, you don't give a shit about no money. You don't care. Right. So... Okay she basically Jason comes right behind her and stabs her ass. But we don't really like see it. Like did we just see her like under the mud and shit. Mm. So now we're back at the police station. This is when we meet the sheriff's daughter, Megan. All right. And Megan is mm-hmm. kind of like the, the 1986 blonde who thinks everything is a joke until the very end. Kind of. Kind of. Yeah. I mean, she, um, unless she did pretty good though. She doesn't necessarily take it seriously, but she's like the rebellious, like party girl kind of. Yeah. She wants she wants whatever her daddy hates. Yes. So we have Sissy, we have Court, and we have Elizabeth. All right. And they're all together. They're asking. They're basically going to their to the uh, Megan's dad, the sheriff, and asking where these councils are. They've been missing. And mm-hmm. then, like, Tommy's like, oh, it's probably Jason. 
The sheriff's like pissed. Like, it's like, shut the fuck up. All right, how about this Jason? And then Megan goes over to this guy. He's like, are you talking about Jason Voorhees, the legend we're not supposed to know about? Yes, that's who I'm talking about. All right. That is pretty fun when, when he's like, yeah. I think it's like, it's probably Jason. Jason yeah. probably killed him. And then, of course, now oh. Megan thinks uh, that Tommy is cute. All right. And of, of course. course, and of course, that's Tommy, great. unlike he was in the fifth film where he was quiet and he stared at the walls a bunch of times, this time he's like, yeah, I fucked that bitch. Yeah. That's basically what he was looking like. And I was like, wow, these exactly. characters are way different. Maybe, maybe he got They're, off that, he, uh, maybe that one drug he got off or something. <laughs> yeah, maybe. But yeah, he's definitely different and he's definitely like, well, yeah, this one doesn't stare at chicken. Like he really, time. yeah, he de- right. He definitely wants to fuck Megan. <laughs> so now and the, Jason. Yes. Yeah, he, he is like, listen, I've seen Terminator. I know how this ends. All right. So uh, so him and Megan, or no, Megan and the crew, they go to the camp. So apparently, so so the whole place is called uh, Forest Green, right? We got that established? Yeah. So now there's yeah. a new camp open called Forest Green. Oh, that's clever. Forest Green, yeah. Clever. Clever. Um, I'm a little bit confused as to when this is supposed to take place, though, because they seem to be going to camp, like the counselors are going to camp, but it's cold. Because remember, they talk about having to turn the heat on. October. So, like, time, why maybe. are they going? Maybe October. Why camp? are they going there in the fall? Like, no, there's no October camp. Camp is in the summer. So maybe I guess it's possible that they're there in like April and it's still cold. Maybe, yeah. but yeah, camp is in the summertime, not in the fall. So I don't know why it would be cold. Well, actually, do you know though that this is the first ever Friday the Thirteenth movie that actually had kids in the camp? Like real kids, like little kids. Yeah, because yeah, they don't. This is the only one that ever that the the kids that actually ever showed up. Because on all the other ones, Jason killed everybody before the kids got there. Yeah, they weren't booked. Right, right, they weren't booked. So now the so now making her crew, they all talk about the legend of Jason and Tommy, how cute he is. Okay, and they're saying, hey, by the way, guys, do you know what day it is right now? Oh, it's Friday the thirteenth. Jason's oh, okay. birthday. Jason's birthday. And then of Which course is in June. Yes. And it so, can't be cold. So but yeah, but doesn't mean it is Jason's birthday though. Maybe it's like April or oh, something. They just okay, said that's true. She just says it's Friday the thirteenth. Yeah. They just, it just a Friday the thirteenth, not Jason's okay. birthday. Okay. All right. Fair so the, so now all the kids arrived and are like, ah, oh, I'd rather deal with Jason. Ha ha ha. So <laughs> one thing I kind of did like about what the director was writing about is you know, I there had to be some time past, so where a lot of the new generation of kids or young teenagers just think Jason's some sort of big legend. You know what I mean? So this had to be maybe this is like '95 or something. So it basically has been it's been some time where the legend of Jason wasn't like you know they all think it was just like a myth or like you know you know just a guy who's been dead for a while that killed a bunch of counselors around. So they 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 don't really yeah. like take it serious until the end. Yeah, because she, um, I mean, because Tommy could be in his mid twenties too. Yeah, we don't really know. So the uh, so now oh, this scene. So apparently, at this like lake surrounding area, there's a uh, there's an executive retreat where a lot of the higher end executives are playing paintball on each other. Yeah, okay. I hated all of this. This is just there for them to die, basically. That's what there's. Okay, so there's like this. And to give us something to laugh at. It was just supposed to be silly and campy. 
Yeah, obviously you can see all these guys are in like army gear. There's one guy who's fat who wants a sandwich. The girl mm. is like basically kicking all their asses at paintball. And then we have this yeah. one guy. I think his name is Bert. He is the pissed off. And I do like an executive saying this. He's like, this, this, tell me if this is fly today. This executive says, damn girl, she should have just stayed in the kitchen. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Well, more of that shit you no. can't do today. Yeah. He was like, so basically this is how we get Jason to have his machete. Because this Burt yeah. guy who's pissed off for like losing the game. He was like macheting all the fucking branches and he gives out that corporate line of saying like the girl should be in the kitchen and they shouldn't have women play this game. Right. And then eventually just fucking Jason just shows up, rips his arm out, throws his ass to a fucking tree that has a smiley face on it for some reason. And then this is how Jason gets his machete. So Hmm. I gotcha. So... So now the the sheriff is going to escort Tommy off the premises because he cannot stand this Tommy guy talking anything about Jason. And now he figures out, oh, shit, my daughter might have the hots for him. So we got to get this guy the fuck out of here. So Tommy's in his car and they're driving him. Like they're like kind of following him so he can get out of town. So now we have some of the, the three executives that are left they're all walking they're they're saying they can't find Bert anywhere they can't find um this this one called Roy they can't find him anywhere too so they're walking Jason just comes down like fucking uh like a fucking soldier just comes down and chops all three of their heads off all right and then Roy shoots him with the paint gun Jason looks at him all weird and then he kills his ass so we're, we're we're getting some uh, Jason kills up in here. We got we're getting our we're getting our numbers up. So I thought the uh, I thought the scene with them chopping off the three heads was cool. Apparently they were supposed to make that look a little cooler too. There was like some sort of like special trick that they couldn't use. But they didn't. Yeah, it, it is on the deleted scenes though. Like you can actually see like the bodies falling, the heads falling off. It is pretty cool looking. Yeah, that's another thing. This movie seems like it was really edited down. Yeah, because of the uh, censor people. Right. Yeah. Those fucking bastards, brother. So now uh, Tommy tricks the police. And, he's, and mm. the sheriff's like, I knew he was going to do this shit. And then Tommy's plan was to drive his blue truck all the way to Jason's grave, get out of there, mm. run over there, and show that Jason, you know, is not in his coffin. But before this, we had the groundskeeper guy. He notices that somebody dug up Jason's grave and he's like, oh, shit, I'm a fucking drunk. So if I don't cover this up, they're going to make me lose my job. <laughs> okay? So he covered it so up. So he does. Yes. Yeah. So that's that's when 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 Tommy gets there. He's like, hey, Jason's there. They're like, hey, look, the grave is it's filled. Like, what are you doing, you crazy man? He's like, no, no, no. Somebody must have done it. And they're like, hey, groundskeeper guy, come over here. All right? And then they're like, you know, he's like, I didn't touch the grave or nothing like that. He's like, no, we got to dig it up right now. Jason, he's alive. He's alive. And they take his ass away, Tommy. So, But could, could they not tell that obviously the grave had been disturbed? No. <laughs> okay. <fair laughs> no. No, they couldn't. No. Okay. No. So now Megan is trying to, mm-hmm. so, you know, because... The the two main counselors that are supposed to book everything are dead. They didn't yeah. show up. So now mm-hmm. all the uh, teenagers have to... They have a bus full of kids. They got to figure out what to do with them. 
So now Megan is talking to all the girls, saying like, "Hey, we're gonna go out here fishing. We're gonna go out here swimming. We're gonna go out here and scare the boys." Ha ha ha. And then they're talking about right. like, "Hey, where's the only guy here, Kurt? What is he doing?" And then we have Kurt. He's taking care of the uh, the male guys, and he's talk about these ancient rocks. I could not understand what he was saying <laughs> at all. That was pretty funny. That was pretty funny. I yeah. thought because he was like he was. Like trying to tell his story about Native Americans, or he's, well, as he put it, Indians. Yeah. And he's because he's like, he's like, do you guys know anything about Indians? No, I didn't think you did. And then he starts telling this completely bullshit story about this pile of rocks and, <laughs> and Native Americans. That, that yeah. shit was fucking. That was pretty funny. I did like that scene a lot. So now we had the sheriff. He's like threatening Tommy, and he dropped him off at State Line, brother. All right, so stay out of my town or else. And then we got the old drunk. Groundskeeper at night. It's just wandering around. So Not we. Long. There, there is actually a cool thing they were going to do with that guy. Like he was actually here for a purpose. And I'll explain that at the yeah. end of the film. Which I actually thought might have been a cool idea. But it never uh, happened to be. It was like the alternative ending. That was supposed to kind of happen. So now we have. Uh, we have St- a guy named Steve. All right. And this girl, she's drinking. She wants some sex outside in the woods. Okay. So just a random character named Steve and this girl, and they're drinking wine. And basically, yeah. Steve was like, oh, I don't know if I should do it. It's kind of cold out here. And the girl, the girl's the one that wants the sex. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. this is also, too, we, you know, we had the old groundskeeper guy. He's wandering around, and like I think like a, something scares him. And eventually, we see... That Jason comes up to him. No, he throws like his glass. Like he finishes bottle, and the glass hits Jason. Jason grabs it, and he stabs his ass. The old groundskeeper guy, and it kills him. All right, and then the uh, Pete, uh, not Pete, Steve, and and uh, hears it. He goes up. He sees this crazy guy, Jason. He's like, "Oh no, we gotta get the fuck out of here." They run back to his motorcycle, but Jason's super quick, and he stabs both of them at the same time. So we're just doing kills basically right now. Yeah, none of these people have anything to do with the story at all. Yeah, so remember the groundskeeper guy. I'm going to come back to him at the end of the review. So so now we're back at Forest Green, brother. All the kids are sleeping. And, of course, Jason is uh, slowly creeping up. So we have uh, Sissy and Paula. They are playing like a, a board game. And Sissy is basically... You know, they, she made like this board game about Jason and Camp Jason and all this stuff, and Camp Blood and all this mm-hmm. stuff. So like, you know, like like I was saying before, these kids just think Jason is some sort of like myth, you know, myth, and stuff like, like a legend, time. like a yeah. legend, yeah. So they hear a girl screaming. It's a girl called Nancy. All right. Do you think this was a mm-hmm. a hint for a Nightmare on Elm Street? Uh, no, I don't uh, think so. But uh, but it is a good callback, though, if you, when you connect them later. Yes. So Nan- canon. So Nancy had a bad dream. Okay, Paula mm-hmm. and Sissy are talking to her about bad dreams, and you know this is uh they're just talking to commenter her down. So they were saying, you know, they basically the big this is the pray scene where she's like, oh yeah, you know what I do when stuff is bad, I just pray and shit. Yeah. All right, and you don't worry about things that go bump in the night. Okay. All right, so now they're also... So Paula and Sissy are wondering, what happened to our boy Court? 
So apparently Court is in a trailer having some sex to Animal or Frank or Teenage Frankenstein. All right. Yeah, Teenage Frankenstein, yeah. And so we don't really see any tits. We kind of just see her in her shirt and, you know, kind of like their bodies just rubbing together and then like this trailer like moving. And apparently our boy Court cannot finish the job unless the song ends. All right. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, damn, brother. And he was like, oh, fuck. So I thought this part was pretty clever. So Jason comes by. He just like chops off the cord, the power cord to the trailer and the song Mm -hmm. turns off. He's like, oh, yeah. He's like, what the fuck? He's like, well, you said when the song ended. <laughs> <laughs> that part was pretty so good. That was, that, was, that was it. Yeah, that was pretty funny. So now that they, was funny. They, they're trying to figure out, like, you know, like, what's going on with this power. They eventually go out, and they see that the power core has been cut. They think it's some bear. So they go back inside. And during this stuff, Jason has snuck himself inside the van, the trailer van. And at first, I was like, okay, the car, the van's not working. So I was like, okay, we're keeping our, we're six movies deep. All right. And we're going to have our first vehicle malfunction. But it didn't. Yeah, they swerved me. Yeah. They did. It worked. It started up. Fuck. All right. I actually, I don't think this movie had any malfunctioning cars. No, no. It's, it's, it's a completely a different kind of movie. Like it's, yeah. it's, in many, many ways, it's completely different than all the other movies we've seen before. I wish they would have kept that one in there. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know. Like, at, least, at least keep that one little in there. I wish they'd have kept that one in the nudity. Yeah. I mean, come on. Car. We, we've, seen, we've seen three things in all these Friday movies. We've seen the car stop. We've seen nudity, at least a couple of tits, and we see some beer. Yep. That's all I need. Yep. So, and there's none of that in this movie. None of that. So, was there any beer? I don't think there was any beer either. Fuck. Come on, so, guys! No. What is going on here? We got some praying and shit. I just want to see tits and beer. It's like the it's like the Puritan version of Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah, what the fuck? Anyway, yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna turn you against this movie before we're done. Listen, I, we're we're not done yet. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, I did like the uh, the whole him coming after the song was going. So that was pretty good, though. That was that was funny. Yeah. So now uh, I guess Court he's the one driving. And he's like flipping the girl all around in the car and everything. And eventually she's about to come to him, but then she gets uh, grabbed in the uh, bathroom. All right. And he's driving and he can't hear her screaming. He just thinks she's having a good time. And eventually Jason like <laughs> pulls her face through the wall. Yes. And then Jason walks up to courts and eventually stabs his ass in the neck. And this is when we get our big budget car breaking down scene. Yeah, with Jason getting Yeah, and Jason standing on top of it. That yeah. was, was kind of cool looking. Uh, one thing that we did forget to mention is that um, Tom Coughlin, Tom Coughlin, the director and writer, although he was known for making a horror movie right before this, he was also known for writing comedy movies. Yeah. So, and I can see that in this writing. Like, there's a lot of kind of comedy type stuff in it. Yeah, and he was trying he to do that purpose. too. Yeah, he did that on purpose. He was trying to do that, yes. Yeah. He was trying to make it funnier. And d- during all this stuff, that Teenage Frankenstein was playing during the whole time, too. Yeah. Great song. Over and over and over again. Yeah, great song. So, and this is also, too... So, at this point, Jason does have his Batman belt on him. So, I'm not exactly sure when he gets it, but he does have it on him, like, for, like, most of the movie. He has, like, these, like, construction gloves on with a Batman belt. All right. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he looks like the guy that's working on the uh, power poles. Yeah, he pretty much does. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Let's see. Except he's wearing a hockey mask. Yes. So now we have the sheriff. He's now talking to his daughter, Megan, about Tommy. And they're going on about personal stuff. Apparently, the mom's not around. So now the guy, now Rick. Rick is uh, the sheriff's, like, deputy guy. Or, like, his cohort or something. And he calls mm-hmm. and says, someone... Uh, Says, so hey, somebody hacked up these uh, those two counselors and stuff using that Jason MO. And the sheriff's like, well, what fucking must be that Tommy guy? <laughs> he be. wants he wants to prove that uh, Jason is really real by hacking up these two counselors that were supposed to counsel people. And they're like, fuck. So now it's <laughs> like, <laughs> so now the sheriff he goes to uh, uh he's gonna go you know check it out and you know. So she, so the sheriff says to tell her to stay put. Like she says, like tell Megan to stay put here, all right. And then she's like, "Hey, you can't think that that Tommy guy did it." And the sheriff was like, "Yes, I, I, you know, I can't, you know, I can't definitely tell, but I'm pretty sure it does, all right." And he, he's trying to I make mean, Jason come to life by doing this. He's trying to like do it. Like the the sheriff thinks Tommy is trying to do these murders to really prove that there's Jason here by that. Right, and and on, to, to be honest with you, if you didn't believe in Jason, yeah. that's a pretty reasonable assumption. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Right, if you didn't think Jason existed, then you could you you could probably think that okay, I can see that this crazy Tommy guy is killing people, so that I'll think Jason's killing people. Yeah, so Megan, uh, she takes a phone call, and it happens to be Tommy. All right. And then she's like, hey, Tommy, stay wherever you're at. My dad's looking for you. She thinks you killed a couple people, so stay there. I'll pick you up in 30 minutes. And she's like, yes. How does Tommy know her phone number? No, no. He called the police station, and she just, the one oh, that I picked forgot. up. Oh, forgot. She's at the police station. That's yes. where she's supposed to stay, which, of course, she doesn't do. But, yeah. Yes. So now Jason has arrived at Camp Forest Green, brother. He's officially there. All right. So now Rick, he shows up, and the sheriff's... Um, so he, so Rick shows up. He shows the sheriff the dead uh, arm, all right, and and then she's like, and he still thinks like it's Tommy doing this. So not only did Tommy kill the counselors, but he thought he killed these executives too. And he says, "Happy Friday the 13th. Huh, huh, huh. So we have that sissy girl. She hears a bunch of noises. Pamela thinks it's Court coming back from fucking. All right, so Sissy, uh, she like pours a drink on the supposed court person. All right, she's looking outside, and she she poured like a kind of a glass to the window to kind of trick him. And then Jason yeah. basically just grabs her ass, pulls her out of the fucking place. She screams a little bit. Paul's like, "Hey, you two, keep it down!" And then Jason snaps her fucking neck. Yep, rips her head off. And then Paula doesn't think it. She just thinks they're just joking. <laughs> joking. She also too, she says, keep it down. I don't want those kids to be waking up. So we have Megan. She picks up Tommy. Uh, she's like, Megan's going to take some, you know, Jay, the, uh, Tommy's like, hey, you know, I don't want to get you all in trouble and stuff here. Like, you know, I'm just trying to get this Jason character, like my screw, fix my screw up. And she's like, no, you got to get in here. Don't worry about it. I'll drive in. You know, Megan has a really fast car. So they're driving mm-hmm. and stuff and they keep hitting a, a couple roadblocks. And the uh, one of the cops like sees the car that they're in, 
and he he explains to the sheriff the car making model and he's like oh shit it's my daughter's car all right so then we see the daughter's just like running through some other cops as well too and she eventually um tries to get escape one police uh blockade but then she runs into her dad and then that's when the gig is up and the whole gimmick with this was she had tommy keep his head down and he was just telling her how to crotch the whole time yeah <laughs> funny haha <laughs> We don't see no. We just see the pants. So we don't see the actual crotch itself. Well, right, of course. Yeah, we just see him looking at her through. Looking at her. This is only a pants. certain. This is only a certain rated R movie. Okay. I know. I know. This this could have been like a PG thirteen movie. To be honest with you. It, yeah. It. Oh yeah. Nowadays, it definitely would have been. Okay. So now Paula's she's sleeping. Okay, and somebody comes inside, and it's actually Nancy. All right, and Nancy just randomly has Jason's knife. His machete. It's like. <laughs> And, she, and Paul's like, oh, where'd you get that thing? He's like, oh, I found it outside. And she's like, oh, okay, that's perfectly fine. Perfect. Let's keep it. It's a big ass machete. It. Yeah. It's a big ass machete with blood on it. It's fine. Okay. Mm-hmm. So Paula just, Paula, she just thinks everything is a joke. Oh, they're just, everybody's joking. Okay. Everything <laughs> is a big fucking joke. Okay. So Jason's like looking at him and stuff. Uh, this, so the sheriff is like pissed. Okay. And about you know obviously Megan hanging out with Tommy because she thinks he he thinks Tommy is a bad influence on the daughter, which he probably is. All right, and then he he, he he's pissed, but he didn't. They're back at the police station, and then he gets a phone call. Okay, and this is the phone call about the van. You know that the the the, the uh, what's it called the, uh, the 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 trailer. The trailer flipped over. He got a call about that. And, they, and Megan and Tommy was like, well, what time did it happen? What time did it happen? He's like, oh, it happened around like uh, uh, 8.30 or 9. He's like, well, I was I was with him and stuff. He's like, no, you, I'm locking Tommy up. You stay here. And Rick, you're going to babysit them. All right? And I'm going to go figure out what's going on. And don't listen to that crazy murderous maniac. So now we have um, Paula. She puts Nancy to bed. And I actually thought this part was pretty cool. You know, obviously, uh, uh, she's like, you know, tells her about the whole praying and stuff. And then we can actually see mm-hmm. Jason through the window. And he kind of like follows her through the window inside, though. Like, I thought yeah. this part was cool, but there's no way you could not see him. You know what I mean? Like, you can, sometimes you can feel like eyeballs on you. You know what I mean? And like, all these windows yeah. were open. And like, you, she was definitely in like uh, her, like, you know, what do you call those? Like, that pair view vision or something. So. Peripheral, peripheral vision. Peripheral yeah. vision. Like, yeah. yeah, I mean, she would have had to have been like really oblivious to the world to not yeah. have seen him standing there. Well, you know, I can, yeah, uh, right. I can see that. Yeah. So now, Paula, she's going back inside. She's trying to like call uh, people on the phone, but of course, the phones are not working. No, of course. So at least we got that trip going on. So, and then the door opens up, and she's kind of freaked out now, and then she closes it. And it didn't work, so she tries to close it again. Then Jason just pops right in, comes right in there, slashes her, blood on the window, and then she then he pulls her through the window and pulls her back. So there there goes Paula. Yep. She's dead now. What a joke, Paula. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not a joke anymore. <laughs> so Rick is now watching over Tommy and Megan. Megan's kept writing Tommy some notes. Tommy doesn't want to have anything to do with it. So now they're fighting over the drawing. I guess it was like a trick. And then they start kissing, brother. 
Rick sees this, like, oh, break, break this shit up. And then eventually, uh, Megan grabs Rick's gun, which has like a little laser on it. Okay. Mm-hmm. And they basically put him back into the cell. And yes, there was a line about, oh, blow up your head, blah, blah, blah. I thought it was corny. So. Very. So now they, now they, they are leaving to go back to the, to the, uh, to the campsite to see what's going on. So, because Tommy's like, hey, you know, if Jason, he's alive, he's going to go back to where he did all of his murders, which is all happened to be at this uh, uh, Forest Green camp. They got the exact location. So now they're driving in the car, right? And Tommy, he has this uh, great idea. Okay. And his idea is like, well, how do I stop in an un stoppable reanimated Frankenstein monster. Well, I'm going to drown his ass. Yeah. In the lake that he obviously, came from. <laughs> obviously that'll work, right? Yeah. Because I mean, he's an, he's an undead zombie Jason, but drowning will probably work. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's a good idea. <laughs> you know what I mean? Sure. Mafia sure. style. Put him with the fishes, brother. So that's what they, that's what they're on to do. So now obviously Jason now shows up to Nancy where Nancy's place and she starts praying. And she's like, <laughs> I pray the soul of my Lord to keep me. And I was like, is she praying to Metallica? Like, what's going on here? Oh, I see what you did. That was funny. You like that? Get up, you know. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. You know, that album hasn't come out yet, brother, but she was playing to Metallica. Uh, well, technically it has, because that, that album came out in 1991. We're at, like, 1995. That point. is true. Yes, if you go with our timeline yeah. on the Friday, yeah, that movie, that album has came out, so we're good. Yeah, so she's probably she probably just heard that from the Metallica album. Yes, pretty much. Yes, I mean that's that's mm. that, that's what I got it from. Yeah. So then Jason hears some stuff outside, so he leaves, and then sheriff has showed up. So the sheriff showed up to the camp because the sheriff mm-hmm. wants to tell all the people at the camp, like, "Hey, your boy Court, he's like dead." Okay. So I'm not sure why. So here he is now, his daughter and all them safe. So he wants to go tell everybody, "Hey." You know, we're not going to tell Corp's parents. We're not going to, mm-hmm. like, try to get the, the next of kin. No, we're just going to tell all these counselors, hey, your friend's dead. Which I can, I can kind of see. You know, did you think... I guess he, so, yeah. did, maybe he tried to call the parents. They didn't wake get an answer. I don't know. So they get there. They open up the uh, the counselor's room. And there's blood everywhere. We don't see no bodies, but there's blood everywhere. He's like, oh, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Tommy's at it again. Tommy's at it again, brother. He got out somehow. So, so now then we see this one uh, cop. He is like kind of like on the bridge, of mm-hmm. the near the like the, the lake, and Jason comes up and kills his ass. All right, because we're getting those body counts up, brother. And he, he he did a knife from his belt, his little Batman belt. He had like a little knife in it. <laughs> so a cop, the sheriff sees the kids. They're okay. All right, but they see Nancy. She's not there. So we have another cop. He's like walking around. He says, here's something in the bushes. It's Nancy. And Nancy says, she's scared of this uh, big scary man. And the guy's like, what What big scary man? And of course, Jason comes out there and he fucking crushes the cop's head with his bare yeah. hands, brother. And I'm just like, well, bro, you got more on your utility belt. Can we use that? Why, why can we use, you know, it's not. So he just uses his hands. So. Yeah, I want to see more of those uh, tools on his utility belt. Now this his little tool belt. You know, this, this head crushing scene Jason has done it before because he did it in number three yeah. but unlike number three mm-hmm. we don't have some random eyeball pop out so. no 
Because it's not in 3D now. Yeah. So now, so after the, yeah, it's not 3D, brother. Okay. So now Jason appears. Um, so the, the, so after he crushes the guy's head. So also too, the, 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 the cop tried to shoot Jason a couple of times too, but it didn't work. All right. Cause, uh, you know, undead monster. Right. <laughs> So now the sheriff, Gareth, he is now checking on the other kids. They're okay. And he basically is going to get all the kids into one cabin. Like the guys and the girls, all the kids into one cabin. They go to the cabin. He says all of them to hide underneath the bed. And he's going to go out there with the shotgun and figure out what's going on with this boy, Jason. All right. So he's out there. He sees the uh, a dead cop. All right. So, like, the, he's out there wondering. Like, after he left the kids, he was out there, and he falls down. Like, he gets tripped on something, and he sees the dead cop, and then he sees Jason. And then he starts to shoot Jason with the uh, the shotguns. Three times, mm-hmm. I put. Shot him three times. <laughs> and then, no shit, he shot him three more times with a handgun. Six times, brother. Six times! Six times! He fucking shot this guy. But then, and then he runs away because nothing's working. So gun. So now we know that guns don't work on or bullets don't work on our boy Jason. Nope, because he's a resurrected undead monster. Yes. So now Megan, Tommy, they arrive. All right. Megan sees the blood on the cabin. Now she knows everything is serious. Now. Yeah. <laughs> We're almost finally. at the fucking end of the movie, and now everything <laughs> is serious for her. <laughs> Fuck. Okay. So Jason is now. Uh, he's like uh, chasing Garris around, and Megan, mm-hmm. she is just going off. Kids, where are you, kids? Dad, where are you, Dad? Just screaming around off. And Tommy's like, yo, shouldn't you, like, shut the fuck up? Like, hey, shut the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> but she doesn't. She just keeps going on. So Tommy, he's just like, okay, I have my plan, and I'm going to let this bitch do whatever she wants. So he just goes to the lake. He sees the dead cops. like, oh, okay, whatever. So he goes on the boat. He starts making, like, his little rock in his chain. Okay? Mm-hmm. Megan's calling for the kids. She finds the kids. Uh, this one kid's like, yeah, we're all dead meat. I was like, okay, I got you, kid. Should have been. So, yeah. So, Megan's she's screaming. And says like, she has to, she's calling, you know, she, she, she's walking around and she eventually sees the, uh, the dead sissy's head. So, she sees like an ambulance, yeah. right? She goes into the ambulance and dead sissy's head was in the ambulance. So, now she's freaked out. So, Garris hears Megan so why like Garris is running from Jason and they're about to fight each other mm-hmm. uh, Jason and Garris hear Megan calling for the dad and now Jason wants to take his attention towards her alright but then Garris is like no I gotta go protect my daughter so he starts fighting her and st- fighting Jason he's like fighting him knocks him down gets a rock starts bashing his head in and none of that shit's working brother cause Jason just gets right up and he fucking bends this fucking guy in half yep Snapped him in two. Talking him two, which is pretty crazy. That was a pretty crazy death scene. I'll give him that one. I mean, it looks it looks kind of cool, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it's just a crazy look, but it's just so it just it's just more of this like how it's just so unrealistic. Like all the death, or most of the death scenes before, like I I still maintain that. You, you, there's no way you could be strong enough to crush somebody's head with your hands. Was the zombie Jason? Well, but, but in part three, he wasn't. Yeah, but like now he has supernatural blue lightning '80s power. Yeah, that's completely different. Now he could do it, but in, yeah. in part three, he couldn't. Yeah, but you know, but it, but mostly it was still realistic. 
but now he can do anything. Like yeah. he's just a super zombie. Like he can just Pretty like, much. you know, he just been like he broke a human being in half. Like, yeah, when not- we saw that during the whole film. Like you know, he he chopped <laughs> yes. three people's head off in one swipe. He killed two mm-hmm. people with one knife on the on the uh, fucking bike. You know, he bashed some girl's head through a tin wall. You know, but yes, this was all designed by the director to make Jason's kills very like. Uh, what do you, campy. Like, campy. Like, make, make him very, yeah. like, surreal. Like, oh, this could never really happen. Kind of kills. Mm, silly and, yeah, it's yeah. just silly bullshit. To, and, it's, and it's all designed to make, you, to make you more comfortable with it. And yeah. it makes it not scary because it's so ridiculous that you know it could never happen, so it doesn't scare you. It just makes you laugh, and it's not supposed to. You're supposed to be scared. Yep. Yeah. And that's just that's just I mean the thing that annoys me about this movie and movies like this is you're supposed to be scared, but it's so campy and ridiculous that you can't be. So speaking of being campy and not scared, yes, uh, Jason now hears Megan. Uh, <laughs> so Megan goes to Tommy. Tommy says he's not ready yet. Put on this rocket stuff, and then to- Tommy tells her to go back into the cabin. Okay. Yes. But then before she gets into the cabin, she he sees Jason come up to her, and now he's screaming for her to come back. Okay. So which one is it? So Jason's about <laughs> to the get to get Megan. Okay. And Tommy is now taunting Jason, saying, "I'm the one you want. Remember me." And I'm just thinking, like, this is like a fucking Frankenstein. Jason. Why does he care who Tommy is? You know, it's just some dude he wants to kill. You know, but like, appara- does he remember Jason? Does he remember Tommy? Appa- like, would he recognize him after all these years? Yeah, so apparently Jason just walked away from all these easy kill victims and just goes right to Tommy. Mm-hmm. All right? Because he calls him like a fucking... So our boy Tommy does some threatening words to him. He calls him a, mag- uh, a maggot head and you pussy. Yeah, yeah, because mm-hmm. <clears throat> after everything Jason's been through, I mean, you know... His mom, like he lived in the woods alone because his mom thought he drowned for a decade or more, 20 years. And then he comes out of the woods to find out that his mom has been, had her head cut off. So he collects the head of his mom and her clothes and then lives in the woods for a while and then gets, and he's a deformed hillbilly and he gets revenge on everyone that, that had anything to do with killing his mom or anything to do with the camp or the lake or live near the lake. But calling him a pussy pisses him off. Yeah. Yeah, bro. That's, that's what I'm supposed to believe. Yeah. <laughs> okay, fine. He called him a fucking pussy. All right, now he's gonna get you. So our boy Tommy, he's on like the boat, right? With his, yeah, you know, his little plan. And Jason's like, With "Oh yeah, rock. you call me a pussy. I'm gonna walk out to you." <laughs> so he walks under oh, wire. So then yeah. Tommy can't find him. So he like lights the lake on fire. Okay. Mm-hmm. Then Ven- Jason eventually grabs him. They do a whole water fight. Uh, then eventually he like, like Megan's like crying and shit. And then Jason like grabs him and he breaks the boat in two. <laughs> but during this, uh, Tommy gets the chain on his neck doing that. Yeah. And then now the chain has now uh, sunk the Jason down to the, uh, to the bottom of the lake. And I liked how they did it. You can see like the old Crystal Lake sign with the camp blood around it. He just mm-hmm. so happened to fall right there in that direction. Jason is now holding Tommy's foot. So if Tommy supposedly drowns, Megan is like, ah, oh, maybe I go better help him. So she goes maybe. in there. 
She doesn't get butt-ass naked like all these other girls in the water. No, she keeps her clothes on. So, like, unlike our, you know, the girls from the previous film, where every time there's water yeah, around, exactly. they had to get naked. So, yeah. she jumps in there. She uh, gets Tommy out of there. She gets grabbed from, from Jason. She eventually gets away from Jason. And now Jason's stuck down there in the water. All right. Well, she actually used the... Uh, she she actually used the boat's motor motor, so that still works. Yes, and that motor, uh, he, he, she basically motorboated him. <laughs> oh oh, what a terrible joke! But she, yes, she 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 uses the blades of the motorboat to like cut into Jason. Yeah, and his neck. Okay, and apparently apparently they filmed that in uh, Tom Coughlin's uh, swimming pool, and it ruined <laughs> the filter. It ruined the. Uh, pool filter or the pool pump because of all the like shit that they've used in, in that yeah. scene. That's pretty sweet. So she gets on out of there. We think uh, we think Tommy's gonna die but this is a horror movie so he doesn't. He wakes up. <laughs> spits it all out. He says it's over. It's finally over. Jason is finally now over. home. Yep. Jason is home now brother. He's in the water. Like remember because he drowned kind of even though he's alive. He drowned there, and now he's home. And then it's the next... Well, he was fucking home anyway, in the fucking grave. So what's the... Okay. Yeah. Anyway, right. next... If they just left him alone, this would yeah. never have happened. So next morning, we get a shot of the lake, and then we get Jason below it, and he's uh, uh, still alive. Like, he's still there. So, that's yep. it. His eyes twitching, so maybe, maybe he's going to be back... Uh, yeah. For another movie for part no. seven, maybe, maybe there'd be some new people in that one. I don't know, not really maybe. Sure. But anyway, like I was gonna so, say, hold on, hold on. Before yeah. we get into the uh, closing thoughts, you know, I do want to talk about the alternative ending. Oh yes. So actually, that just might be a good idea. So the the director Tom, he yeah, this is on the Shot Factory DVD stuff. You can find it. So the original idea that he had was. He wanted to explore the story of Jason's father. Okay, so we knew mm-hmm. about Mrs. Forhees, Pamela. We knew about Jason. But we didn't know about the dad. So he, he, one of the ending credits was Jason still goes down to the lake. You know, he still did the whole lake thing. He's still buried in the, the lake. But then we would have cut, um, instead of like, you know, the end, cause just seeing Jason underneath there with his eyes open, we would have yeah. cut to the groundskeeper guy. So he didn't die. We would have cut to the groundskeeper guy, and he notices that, um, you know, like he he was there, like he was mostly there to take care of the Pamela grave and the Jason's grave, all right? And then we see this figure walk up, all right? And then the figure, he was like the guy, the groundskeeper was kind of nervous, like, yeah, yeah, I've been taking care of him all these years. I promise nothing ever happened to him or nothing, even though some shit did. And then the guy, and then that's supposed to be Jason's dad, and now he's a little upset because Jason went out of the grave and he's in the water now. So he might have explored. I think that the, if this Tom guy could probably, you know, kept that in, they were, they're going to make the, uh, the dad, maybe like the villain of the next movie stuff. So, but that never, that ending never happened. So we never got to explore yeah. there. So, which I think it might have been a cool idea. You know, we never did figure out who Jason's dad was, but you know, sometimes it's better to have that mystery. It's. I think a lot of times it's better to have that mystery. Um, I really feel like a lot of things are way over-explained these days. We don't need to know why all this stuff's happening. 
we just we just accept it and follow the story. That's all we need to know. Exactly, brother. So that's it, guys. Jason's back. He lives, and now he's in mm-hmm. the bottom of Crystal Lake, just hanging out. And of course, you know this is actually one of the famous Jason uh, uh, toys. I would say too, where you can. You know, you keep Jason in the bottom of the lake in the river. You know, they always have those toys nowadays with them on there. Yeah. You know, this is kind of a cool little, little menage or menage. It's a cool little token, you know, like, I don't know. Yeah. So. But yeah, I mean, let's see. This movie was, was my favorite because it didn't really have the punk rock sex and drugs and violence that I like. But, you know, nope. it, it, it had some good stuff, but I could see it. This, this was like the kid-friendly Jason movie yeah i mean that's what it's i mean it's just it this is definitely where like you know you start pulling for jason to kill people and you know it's like he i mean he doesn't even kill kids i I mean i know what you're gonna say he hasn't killed kids in any of the other movies either but like it's just hard to imagine jason as this unstoppable killing machine but he doesn't kill kids you know what i mean like i don't know it's just stupid so I mean, yeah, I mean, this movie had some like some some good points and some good scenes to it, but I don't know. For me, I think for our taste, like I think we like the more like grittier Jason. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, the definitely. more grittier, like the grittier movies, scarier Jason. Yeah. Like the kids, you know, going out there, sex, drugs, and rock and roll, brother. You know, so. But you know, here it is. It's there. You know, I like the old, you know, trying to make Jason like Frankenstein. I thought at least you know. If we're going to bring him back, you know, at least that kind of like makes a little sense of how he kind of came back a little bit. So, mm-hmm. but, uh, but yeah, I mean, that is also to it. Uh, that's also the end of the, uh, the Tommy Jarvis era as well, too. Because yeah, brother, Tommy's gone. He's gone, brother. You know why? Because we're going to be coming back he- here next week on the Retro Blood, talking all mm-hmm. about Friday the 13th, part seven, the new blood. The new blood, new people. The new blood, brother. Yeah. They're all new and blood. All of them. All and right. they're bloody. Will this one be this better? This movie will we'll be see. better. It will, I think it will be better. It has to be. Right? Why? <laughs> it does, doesn't it? <laughs> I don't know, brother. We're getting to the... Uh, we're getting to some of the final... Uh, uh, final. Uh, we got two more of these Jason films from the 80s. Oh, God. Yeah. All right. And then... So, uh, we, I can say this on here. So... You know, we got a couple, you know, this is October, brother. So we have a lot of shit going mm-hmm. on. So we do. We're going to be coming back for two lights out for everybody, too. Woo! Doing the, two in the battle, same month. Doing the same month, brother. Because I can announce that we're going to be coming on doing the Battle of the Halloween Havocs, <clears throat> brother. Mm-hmm. 1999 versus 1994. Woo! It's going to be a hot one. Now it's going to be coming out. I believe. What have I got that one coming out? Uh, I got it coming out on the 21st. And the reason I have it coming on the 21st. Okay. Yes. Is because the 1999 uh, Halloween Havoc is going to be 24 years since to the date of that Halloween Havoc. Now, yours, huh, yours right. I believe, happened on the 23rd of 1994. So, it's a, they're kind of like around the same time. All right? But mm-hmm. I thought we'd drop it on a Saturday. 24 years to the date that we have the mega match of Sting and Hulk Hogan and all that 
bullcrap that we're about to talk about and Medusa's tits. Amazing. So, but and also too on Halloween, lights out will return. When your boys over here are going to be talking all about Freddy versus Jason. Yep, it only makes sense, right? It only makes sense because you know our original or our beginning Retro Blood reviews were all about Nightmare on Elm Street, and now we've done we did we did all the '80s ones. And then, of course, on these, we've done all the 80s um, Friday the 13th. So, might as well talk about the movie that links them both together, brother. That's true. And it's also kind of cool to see, if you go back, to the difference in the uh, quality of the show yeah. from when it first started. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So, if you go back and listen to those Nightmare episodes, just uh, got to give us a little bit of leeway. We had we were starting ugly, but yeah. we at least we were starting. Hey, at least we're starting, brother. Keeping that train yep. rolling. And of yep. course, you know, we still got the uh, the 29th, October 29th. That's going to be our special Retro Blood Halloween episode. And that's still going to be a mystery. And I'm going to release that that on the, when we do Jason uh, Takes Manhattan. So y'all figured out what we're going to do. And I can't wait to be doing that one as well, too. I'll probably be a little drunk on that show. Not going to lie. Most likely. Because uh, this is one of my favorite. I'll do a little hint. It's my favorite Halloween party movie of the 1980s. I love this movie. And there's a certain scene with some lipstick and some tits. There's a, there's a little hint there, brother. So, But I say let's get on out of here. And of course, we're going to be playing some Alice Cooper. He's back, brother. The man in the mask. The man behind the mask. Yep. Right. And he's out of control, it says. He's out of control. So this guy, he's so out of control that he is only killing... Certain people in the script, not kids at all. Yeah. And he is killing them yeah. in very animated ways to make us laugh. That's how out yes. of control he is. Jason, because Jason's a comedian, he's yes. so out of control. And he has a little utility belt oh, for pole climbing. So there we go. Everybody. In case well, he needs to fix the uh, power when it goes out. Yeah. Or the cable. Maybe the cable will go out and he needs to climb a pole and fix it. Well, you know, this is the 90s. He, maybe he's a big fan of uh, Tim the Toolman Taylor. Maybe. <laughs> All right. So there you go, everybody. Maybe, yeah. All right, everybody. We will see you here next week for the new blood. Jay Austin, James Klein. See y'all later. See you guys. <laughs>